It's been a season like no other. For the past three months, myself, Graham O'Toole, and my fellow producer, Sean Reedy, have been following five inter-county players as they embark on a season for the history books. We've been granted open access via Zoom calls and socially distant interviews to Limerick hurler Declan Hannan, Tyrone footballer Ronan McNamee, Dublin footballer Neve Collins, Westmeath footballer Kieran Martin, and Wexford hurler Conor MacDonald. We'll find out what it's like to be vying for an All-Ireland title while working in training during a pandemic and ask each player if the sacrifice was worth it in the end. This is The Split Season. Episode 4. The Football. Although the hurling championship had similarities to previous years, the football was very different. It was straight knockout. No back door, no second chances. Winner takes all. So you can hear me? Am I after breaking up? Uh, He's still there. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I broke up there for a second. The Ulster Football Championship is arguably the hardest one to call each year. For Tyrone and Ronan McNamee, this year's season opened with the game against Donegal. When we first spoke to him in October, Tyrone had just played their last league game against Mayo in Castlebar the previous day. And for him, the stark difference in COVID-19 restrictions north and south of the border was a bit of a shock. See, yesterday, once you crossed the border, like we had five, six Garda checkpoints. You know, Six separate times, like it's absolute madness, absolute yeah. madness. And would there be a big PSNI presence when you cross the border, or is that just when you cross the border down south that there is uh, a big other presence? It just seems to be when you cross the border down south, like um, constantly. But like I'm like driving down the road yesterday, stopped up and down the road, stopped six times. So COVID nineteen restrictions. What are they like where you're based north of the border? Ah, uh, they're not. They're not uh, like either side. I'm living in Anoma at the minute, but um, okay. either side of it, um, down in my home club and High Iron in the west, obviously it's bordering Donegal. So it was closed down maybe a month ago because uh, cases, it was maybe like a hundred and every hundred thousand or no, a thousand and every hundred thousand or something like that. There, the, ca- the cases per number were, you know, so not ideal to be brutally honest. And because there wasn't an all-island approach, were you ever worried that the Stormont Assembly wouldn't allow elite sports and then you'd kind of be left out of the All-Ireland Football Championship? Fuck if you left us out of the championship. would burn every town in Ireland if it came to it. Start of absolute howling. But no, um, obviously strange for... Because we're obviously going on Boris Johnson making decisions. Um, and he doesn't, I would imagine, he's not the biggest Gaelic fan, to be honest. So I would say the same boy wouldn't have a clue if Thrones in the championship or not. You probably wouldn't mean in a better, um, or an all-island approach. Um, but obviously it wasn't. And we're listening to clowns across the water to an extent. And then finger pointing in Belfast. So what can you do, boys? Uh, and do you feel as prepared for this year's championship as you usually would? You're as prepared as you can be now. Apparently, we're training over lockdown, which potentially could have happened as well. But um, all I know is we don't jack shit over lockdown. So if we're caught cold, that's why. We've had a heap of boys isolating at a stage because they came into contact with people. And we had the, we, we don't play challenge games, so we play in house games. And we had to ask a heap of boys in because of. 
we couldn't feed the team. We didn't have enough. Um, we only had, I think we had 18 available to train. So there was a heap of boys asked in for a trial game, you know. Like we have, we'll have cases. We have cases and we'll have cases next. So it's going to be the way it's going to go forward. It's just a matter of how you deal with it, you know. Is that a conversation that you're having, you know? I, I know in the run-up to a different season that the, the, it's, it's mind your body and don't be doing anything that puts too much stress on it and stay away from bad foods and don't drink. Is it this year, stay away from anybody and lock yourselves in your houses? <laughs> Uh, if anybody tries to get near you, you're turning and lagging you. Know? <laughs> you know, obviously you need a like. There's so many rules and regulations to go by, and you know, wear a mask, stay two meters apart, travel on your own. Fuck, like, so there's uh, there's a lot to be taken on board. Let alone wondering, trying to figure out video analysis on who you're marking at the weekend, and you know, it's just you need to have your house. You always have to have your house in order, but more so now than ever. The way things are going at the minute, you could be in contact with somebody yeah. who was in contact with somebody whose granny was in contact with a dog that had COVID, and you have to <laughs> you have to isolate for fourteen days. So the championship could be over on a Tuesday night, let alone on the Sunday. So um, you just play it by ear. Hopefully, everybody gets through unscathed, and boys will be buzzing to get at it and get the build up going. You know, and there's a free for Tyrrell. And from this, they simply have to create something special. Dropping it in, punched away clear. And the referee blows the full-time whistle. And Tyrone are under the championship. Johnny Gold go through to the Ulster semi-final against Derry or Armagh. How did your preparation go before the Donegal game in comparison to, we'll say, a championship game on a normal year where there's no COVID-19? It's hard to sort of explain at times, but... Obviously, the likes of the video work and stuff was stop-start um, because you couldn't really get into an auditorium with each other. We tried a few different Zoom calls before um, the Mayo game and that, and before the Donegal League game, and it just it wasn't it didn't work right. The host needs to be in obviously in decent Wi-Fi for the coverage um, to work well for the video footage and stuff like that. Um, obviously, we had a COVID case in in the middle of the whole thing, so there was protocols and procedures brought into place for that so not ideal preparation either leading into the championship and do you feel that all the protocols disrupted the day of the championship for you to an extent that it would disrupt like because there's people driving to high iron obviously driving to balbuffet alone and then having to get out and get ready for a game no not necessarily having the same length of time you'd have previous in previous years to get yourself ready get loosened out, get stretched. Obviously, becoming on a team bus, you wouldn't have the, the need to drive um, the full length. Obviously, like the team bus is always something that you take for granted <laughs> massively. Um, even camaraderie ways for the team, like the bit of crack and music, the tunes that he's going on. Decky McClure usually would have been the DJ or Potty Hamsey, just depending on what sort of mood you're in. Could get into a bit of trouble a lot of time with the certain tunes that would be going as you well know, but um, <laughs> it's it's good crack. The bus is good, like um, the tunes can be questionable at times. It was up to Neil Morgan. You'd be sitting listening to Zach Brown Band or Nathan Carter or something like that there the whole way down the road. You'd be jiving about out there. Then you have boys that would just be techno, techno. Darren McCurry, he would just be techno in the head, so... 
You probably didn't miss the techno, I'd say. Not to an extent, no. Watching the game on RTE, they had to keep cleaning the camera lens because there was so much rain coming in. Can you describe what the conditions were like actually out there? The conditions weren't good. Um, Balba is tricky enough, we feel too at times, but it was just freezing cold and obviously soaking. Like It was serious, never really dried. What can you do? I suppose if you're going to run a winter championship, you have to be prepared for the elements, especially about here. So probably took maybe two days to get the feeling back in my hands. But Much of the discussion before the game centred around the players' well-being. However, with strict COVID-19 guidelines for each GA venue, it meant practical things like having a shower was made more difficult. Um, you're only allowed in set numbers for under five minutes, but we were over in the stand and the shares were on the opposite side of the pitch. And once boys had started taking their boots off and that and then realised that there was showers, they just didn't bother their whole going to the effort of getting across again. So it was just probably more the effort levels than anything else. But I went over, there was maybe five, maybe eight of us, I'd say, that showered. But um, it was bleak enough, to be brutally honest. A month after Tyrone's defeat to Donegal, Ronan's attention turns to running a small business. And as COVID-19 began to spike again in the north, more restrictions came into place. What's the story with lockdown up there at the moment? Were ye open last week and now closed again for two weeks? Yeah, open for a week um, and then closed for two. And how was that the one week you were open? Was that busy or was it even worth your while? It was fucking mental, man. Like you go into a coffee shop, whatever, there's, it's just jammed with people. And as news of Mickey Hart's departure from the Tyrone camp was announced, we got Ronan's reaction. I sort of was surprised to an extent, like, because normally, well, after the Donegal game, because it was so different, you didn't necessarily get to sit down and, and chat with each other, or there was no real talk of what was going on after. So um, it was just hearsay you were going by for a lot of it. And then when he did put the message into the group, like, it, it was strange because... Drone football's been all he's known for a long time, like, and without it, I would say it would have been in certain times, like the 2010 time, like, with Michaela, it would have been difficult, like, it would have pulled him out of a massive hole, you know. Um, I felt, because he had been so good to me in my time of struggle, I felt sad for him, to be brutally honest, like, because I get on really well with him, and you have the crack, like, so it's mm. good to see him continue to do what he does, like, you know. If there's someone from Loud listening... What piece of advice would you give them as they prepare to walk into a Mickey Hart panel? Uh, my God, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Say it's read, a tight ship. Read, <laughs> read Owen Mulligan's book, maybe. On things not to do. <laughs> Dublin's quest for a tenth success of Leinster senior football crown begins this evening. The five in a row All-Ireland champions take on Westmeath in the quarterfinals at O'More Park at a quarter past six. Tony Cooper and Niles Gully come into Debbie Farrell's side with own Murphy. Westmeath have made huge strides in the past few seasons, but a mammoth task awaits them in the first round of the Leinster Senior Football Championship. Five in a row All-Ireland champions Dublin. As captain, Kieran Martin has extra pressure this year. Martin needs to be the link man between the players and management and make sure that COVID-19 doesn't impact the team's performance. I know the players well, but you don't know what their situations is at home, if their parents are sick, if they have sick relatives. So the main option was to make everyone feel comfortable and 
in certain areas where we were training, we uh, we had to fill out uh, risk assessments and stuff like that. So certain grounds we were training on, they had the protocols down to the T as well, uh, which helped the situation too. But again, you don't when you're going training, you, you still have that feeling in your head: is does could we? Is there someone going to be positive at this or? You don't know because if they don't have result, if they don't have any symptoms, they don't know either. But when you're there, you enjoy the football and you're mad to train, and that all goes out the window as well, which is a big help too. And do you feel extra responsibility considering you live with your parents as well that you could be bringing into the house? Look, they don't mind because they're mad to see me play football and they want the football back as much as as anyone. Um, but you have to feel responsibility as well when you are living in, in someone's house because you don't know. We could get a text today from the county saying one of the lads is after testing positive. You don't know. But they've always wanted me to play football and they're just delighted to be seeing it coming back. And the fact that they're out on the front line as well for the last couple of months probably takes the pressure off because if they were cocooned at home, it will be a different story altogether. But but the fact that they've been working uh, throughout the whole pandemic, I don't think they find it as tough um, or they're not put making it as strict for me at home. We're a week out from your game against Dublin. How is the feeling going into that game, considering this year's championship, there's no backdoor or anything like that? Is the feeling good going into the Dublin game? So, by the way, we're going into it. Look, we have nothing to lose. Um, I know there's no backdoor. Um, but look, it's just the way things is, it is. But you just again, you can't go in fearing them. They've been. You don't know what situation they are in either. Um, it's probably if we were going to beat them, it'd be the best chance to try and beat them now. Um, because look, they've had a long break. They mightn't be the same Dublin as they were. If you can make it difficult for them, um, by getting tackles in, working hard. Um, it's going to be a different game altogether because if that ball lands on the ground it's going to be a dogfight Super defensive format and how long will they be able to keep Dublin at bay so far it's worked a treat inside the opening couple of minutes this would be a lovely score if they can finish from here little dummy first of all by O'Toole then back to Martin Martin to finish really good strike and a really good score from Westmead much better It wasn't a classic by any stretch but in the early stages Westmead looked to be putting it up to Dublin However, for Keir Martin's side, their season came to an end following a double scores defeat. Let's leave the possession with Ronan Wallace. There's the full time whistle. So it's a comfortable Leinster football quarter final victory for Dublin. They've beaten Westmead here at Amore Park in Port Leash, County Leash, by 22 points to 11. Did it feel like a championship day? No, definitely. That was the one thing. Um, it was kind of, and at the end there was no atmosphere around the game um, as well. So usually when championship, you'll see them outside selling their scarves, their headbands. You'd be people around the streets, but we were driving up. Um, they took your name at the gate. You walked in, even driving to it. Um, that you just you're on your own. You're thinking to yourself. In regards to the dressing room, do you have a, a cap on the number of the people that's allowed into the dressing room at one time? Are there some people who would usually be in there that aren't allowed in there this year? Yeah, so you'd, usually we could have a couple of people helping between with gear and kit, but it was just the one guy now. Uh, and then the team was split up into two. So you had your starting 15, and then you had the rest of the panel, the 11, and plus the management in the other dressing rooms. 
uh, tugging out, uh, which is unusual because the team is split. Um, I, I I was lucky to be on the starting 15, but the, the other 11, you don't know what way they're feeling because they don't know what's going on in the other dressing room. They don't know what's been said. So you kind of nearly have to try and include them in, but it is hard. So you're nearly waiting to be out onto the pitch to give the message to everyone. And against Kildare in the league, this it wasn't too bad in Leash that the dressing rooms were beside each other. But in Kildare, it was actually two different buildings. The other 11 were in a prefab out the back, which made it even more difficult. Um, were you happy with your performance? Because you got three points. Yeah, it was. Like, it's Against Dublin, it's a great once if you can get a few scores. Um, but when you're out and around the middle, that, that was the game to, was to get in and out. Um, I suppose just trying to win the ball and do the right thing for the team is the main thing. Um, they have worked on everything. No matter what you throw at them, they know what to do. I know for one of the kickouts we set up, as soon as we set it up, one of their forwards shouted cluster and they all got into the positions because they knew what we were going doing. And even sometimes with the backs as well, we were trying to do shields. We obviously made a block and one leg get away, but just another lad would pick them up straight away. They're just so in tune with everything. And no matter what you throw at them, they just have an answer for it. For Neve Collins in Dublin, it wasn't a matter of if they would get to an All-Ireland final again this year, it was how. Dublin football has been unstoppable in the last decade. Mick Bowen's side are vying for four in a row after last year's epic win over Galway in the All-Ireland final. For Neve and co., professionalism is key to their success. Yeah, so we're incredibly fortunate in that like Ken Robinson, the CEO of DCU Sport, is uh, our strength and conditioning coach. So like we have access to four dressing rooms for the panel, so we're able to actually use them because we're so spread out. Um, there's only a small number of people in each dressing room. If we've had to do kind of team meetings, we've had to split up into you know quite small groups and the message unfortunately has to be delivered from management multiple times but that's what you have to do to stay safe and we've been privileged to be allowed to continue to play these games despite the fact that the rest of the country is in level five lockdown and you really do have to acknowledge that and so you know you stick to the rules and you make sure that you don't spread it any further. So how are you feeling for the rest of the season as we head into December? Are you optimistic? Are you are you positive? What is the feeling around camp? To be honest, for me, um, in advance of our Donegal game, I was incredibly nervous. Um, and that was possibly because those kind of routines and those, uh, you know, set run-ups that we've had in the past, you know, weren't there. And it was incredibly hard to measure, you know, where we are. Like, are we at the championship pace? We would be, we would be in June. Are they... Um, what are the conditions going to be like? Um, you know, we have to drive ourselves. So all these kind of small little little things that kind of get in at your mind resulted in, I think, quite a intense nervousness across the panel. Um, yeah, we just the, the the feelings going into the match of of preparation probably aren't um, where we would like to be in championship, just purely because it's been, you know, so different. Should we get to an All-Ireland final on December 20th? I think it would be absolutely nuts time to play an All-Ireland final. Just, just so strange to be, uh, to be competing in one five days before Christmas if we do get there. So, I mean, it's no weirder than playing 
you know, your first round of championship on Halloween, watching the fireworks go off behind the pitch. Sorry, what was that like, seeing fireworks go off as you were playing? Yeah, it was nuts. I was standing in the full back line. Um, I think Mark and Ka- Karen got through from Donegal and the other end of the pitch. Uh, it was like pitch black because we were up in Cavan. There wasn't much ambient light uh, going on around outside the pitch. So you could just clear as day, see fireworks going off. It was a first anyway. Dublin got through the group stages after beating Donegal and Waterford, leading to a semi-final showdown against Armagh. Yes, Joe, full-time here, and it's Dublin who are through to the TD Cahar All-Ireland Football Final. It was a fine team performance, helped by a very bright start to the game, but they didn't have it all their own way as they were pushed by a strong Armagh outfit who shone with some individual moments of brilliance. The Dubs will now play either Cork or Galway in this year's Christmas All-Ireland Final on the 20th of December in Crow Park. The full-time score here in Kingspan Breffney Park, it's Dublin 3-13, Armagh 3-8. The second All-Ireland semi-final, which would decide who Dublin would face in the showdown, was riddled with controversy. The venue was switched the week before the game from the LIT Gaelic grounds to Parnell Park to accommodate a Limerick hurling session ahead of their All-Ireland final. While on the day of the game between Cork and Galway, freezing weather conditions meant the game had to be moved again, but this time to Crow Park, just hours before throw-in. The teams had little time to warm up and the game was not televised due to the last-minute switch. Look, I'm not going to pretend to understand the difficulties that go on in sourcing pitches that don't belong to us. Like, I'm sure that is, you know, very challenging in and of itself. And that's a big issue that we don't actually own any of the venues we ever play in. So we're always going to be second class when it comes to who's going to get in, you know, get a spot in a certain pitch. Do I think it was the right move for them to play in Dublin? No, I think it seems like it was a wild uh, thing to have to ask them to do during a pandemic uh, to come up to play in a pitch in Dublin. I don't know the intricacies of what went on with not being able to get pitches like Thurlis, but the weather was obviously out of um, out of the algae control. But it was just it was disappointing. Do you think that gives your opposition a bit of a, a little bit of an extra edge going into this because? They're coming off the back of of such anger and they have different motivation. To be honest, I think what happened yesterday motivated every LGFA player across the country. You know, I understand there were two teams that were involved in it on the day, but um, I think we all felt the same seeing what unfolded. Um, Whether or not it gives them extra motivation on the day, uh, I don't know. Uh, Everyone finds motivation from, from a different point. In my opinion, if there was an ideal day to win an All-Ireland final, it would be the 20th of December. Like, <laughs> it would just make the best Christmas ever, I would think, anyway. It would literally be the best Christmas present ever. Yeah, no, it would. It would be brilliant. Like, and it would be such a nice run into Christmas then, All-Ireland final on the 20th, and then we can go back to our families and enjoy Christmas with Brendan Martin. So, yeah, I think it would, it would make our Christmas. Kira Sullivan loves running at the Dublin defence. Every defence she plays against. Quick hands for his, her sister down here. Because a shot! Oh my word! What a fantastic goal by Anya Sullivan. And Cork are leading by a goal. An absolute cracker. Dispossessed by Lauren McGee. Picked up by Carla Rowe. Nicole Owens too. 
Center half forward, Lindsay Davey. Coming forward is Jennifer Dot. This is a great move. That has to be a penalty. Carla Rowe facing Martino O'Brien and tucked away beautifully. Sinead Goldrick continues to go forward. Ball is dropped into space. The goalkeeper, Martin O'Brien, comes off a line. But Dublin have done four in a row and they've won their fifth title. But they have shown what a great squad they are. In this year years, I'm going to start with a special thanks to those usually here with us today and every step of the way. Our family and our friends who are phenomenal in their support for us through the highs and the lows. Never has it been more true that you've allowed us to live in our bubble and been such a tremendous support. And we're to acknowledge as well our thoughts that are obviously with those who've suffered hard times this year and lost loved ones and those who've worked so hard to keep us all safe and well. Hello. Hi, how are you? Nia, how are you today? Great, thanks, yeah. <laughs> so, can I ask, what did you do yesterday after the final whistle? Did you go straight home or what was the crack? So I unfortunately was one of the two randomly selected to do, uh, you know, the randomized drug testing. Oh, okay. So I missed away into a, into a side room. So I actually missed the kind of celebrations uh, kind of in the dressing room. And then the team bus took us back to, uh, took us back to DCU where we met our parents and our families to kind of bring us home so I actually missed uh, a good portion of that so I was picked up straight from Croke Park when I was eventually ready to go oh uh, no ah uh, yeah look sure two people have to do it every year do you know it's that's part and parcel of of elite sport but um look <laughs> worst things have happened <laughs> so when you got home last night did you literally just chill at home with your family or your boyfriend or did, did you go out for food or anything like that after or is that all just a no-go Yes, we did. We went out for a bite to eat, but it was like pretty low key. But yeah, the, the kind of the main bit of my evening was kind of coming home and my parents and my sister had come over because, you know, at the end of the day, they're the people you kind of want to see initially, the people who get you through the year, as we said, kind of the people who make sure that you're able to play by doing so much. So came home, had a drink with my parents and my sister and my boyfriend. Um, yeah, which was which was really nice. And we, we watched the Sunday game then together. It's a little bit bittersweet when you win an All-Ireland and you can't go let loose or you can't go and, like, I'm sure you celebrated, but you couldn't go and just bond with the, with the 30, 35 people that made this possible. Yeah, and I suppose it's today is one of the days where it's, it's the weirdest because it's the next day when you wake up and you just want to be together. You do, like, and usually we are. Usually we wake up in a hotel together and we just spend, you know, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in each other's company. Um, but right now I'm on my couch at home. You know, it's, it's a completely different uh, Monday after an All-Ireland final. So how was the game itself? Like, you know, playing an All-Ireland final, empty Croke Park. It must be very, very different. It must be a very surreal experience. Yeah. So like I felt the 60 minutes in the game was not too different. You know, we, we were so kind of wrapped up in what was going on. What was a bit different is just kind of the end. Usually with, you know, when the women's game, we have a countdown clock. So 
the last 10 seconds is usually kind of counted in by the crowd and you, you know you know you're hanging on and you're you're close to the win or you need to get an extra point whereas the the whistle actually went and I didn't even realize we were you know we were in the last minute at that point so um yeah that that was a little bit different I was kind of like oh the game's finished <laughs> uh and then yeah I guess it was it was a little bit quieter after we had you had to take socially distant photographs you know of the team yeah but look yeah. Uh, it was still a good time I think Eve, I think that's pretty much everything that I need from you. Thank you very much for, for hopping on the calls over the last couple of weeks. I I do really appreciate it. I know you just did it off your own back, so thank you very much. Yeah, brilliant. Great stuff. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Eve, thanks much, so Eve. much. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Merry bye-bye. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Nine months on from when the National League was postponed due to the first case of COVID-19 on the island to when the championship was completed, many things have changed for many people. We'll never witness a season like we just did and the restructure of both the club and county championships is bound to have a lasting impact. But for all the players involved in this documentary, was the sacrifice worth it in the end? Ronan McNamee. No, I don't feel... It's easy saying that now for me because we're out and we're done. Um, but I don't feel it is. Obviously, you would you were going to take, as I said the earlier, like you would have taken any sort of championship. But you know, and then when it does come about, then you wish it was like before, where the potential back door and that, like, like the way the Harlan ones potentially been run, like. So it's disappointing that to that aspect of it that it's just done and dusted, and that's that for the year especially after everything that you did go through to keep yourself right and healthy and avoid as much of the virus and the sort of shitty situations that it tend to tail along with it. So, you know, you avoided, you were avoiding the last couple of weeks all contact with your family. Obviously at work you were watching yourself constantly trying to avoid picking something up that you'd risk bringing back to everybody else. So, no, I just wish there was, I suppose, another another break at it to an extent, but obviously there's not, and you have to take it on the chin. Kieran Martin. Um, definitely, like, it's, it would have been a long few weeks if we didn't have anything. As At the start, I was kind of wondering, what do we do here? But looking back on it now, and it was tough to go be going training in the evenings when everyone else isn't. But at the end of the day, um, the GEA is there for communities, it's there for the whole country. And if we could just give the people a bit of happiness for that hour, hour and 20 minutes to watching a game, it's definitely well worth it, even at home. All it was was talk about the game on Saturday and parents were wondering, did we have the Sky Sports? I said, yeah, we did. You had to set it up for them because it was excitement for them. But even like talking to people after you go into the town to do your shopping, and you're chatting people and they were just so happy that they see the game and they were all praise of the performance. And I think that's something that we brought to Westmead for that hour and a half. Everyone, I think, in Westmead were Westmead supporters, even if they've never watched the game before, because the way times are, they just wanted to get away from what's happening.
Conor McDonald. Um, I look at it, everyone's going to probably have different views on this. I think if we end up being in a Leinster final and winning that, I would tell, I would have told you, oh yeah, it's like it's 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 brilliant. Um, I do feel like the whole thing is maybe somewhat just there to be played out. Um, like. I don't know. Like a lot of, I think a lot of people would have just rather been at games. Uh, our game was on GA Go or something last week, and I know a lot of people wouldn't have watched it. So, you know, there's just so many things that I, I feel, you know, like I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, a, it's difficult. Like it's, it's obviously harder now for me to say, or it's easier probably for me to say, oh no, it probably wasn't worth it because you, you, you've had two poor performances, but. I have people who might ring me or club people in the club that I would talk to every single game week and they ring you every week to talk about the same thing. We, you know, it's nice. And this year it's just not there. And they're just, I feel like it's just something to put on TV. Declan Hannon. He's a hundred percent. And I'm not just saying that because we won the All-Ireland. I think it's given a massive boost to everybody around the country um, to have had the games on. I remember when some sport came back during after the first or second lockdown that, geez, I couldn't wait to watch it and thank God for some sort of live sport. And even talking to some older people there in the past couple of days, they were just over the moon as well that they were had something to watch and something to follow. And it's, a, it's definitely after giving people a boost anyway. So we're, I suppose, proud to have done that for Limerick anyway. Neve Collins. Yeah, like I'd like to think it was. Like I think, um, you know, really every team went to great lengths to make sure that we were able to compete in it safely. And I think there were some absolute crackers of games this year across all four codes. Like the, the Camogie final, I thought was absolutely brilliant this year. It was so enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I think, I think it, it gave people something to look forward to on the weekends. Like live sport is just, there's nothing like it. It really is just, you know, brings people together and tears them apart as well. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely do think it was worth it. And I'm, I'm, I'm really happy it went ahead. This podcast was written, produced, narrated and edited by Sean Reedy and Graham O'Toole. Our graphic was designed by Andrew McConnell. Research by Brian McGinn. Thanks to Off the Ball, News Talk Breakfast, Lunchtime Live, and The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk. Dermot and Dave and The Last Word on Today FM, Spin 1038 and 98FM, The Sunday Game on RTE Television, The GAA, and The LGFA. And to the participants Declan Hannan of Limerick, Ronan McNamee of Tyrone, Kieran Martin of Westmeath. Connor MacDonald of Wexford, Neve Collins of Dublin, and Minister for Higher Education, Simon Harris.